The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas. Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing this week, man? Oh, Tremendous. Another exciting week ahead. Well, it's an exciting week because on the 17th, this Saturday is season's beatings. Um, right now, I know last week we kind of talked a little bit about what the card was shaping up to be like. Uh, we know the main of well, I'm assuming the main event is uh, Matt Vandergriff versus Gregory Sharp. Belt versus belt, right? Title versus title. Well, uh, Hammerstone's also defending the title, so I'm not sure uh, Vandegriff and Gregory Sharp's going to be the main event. So, Well, I mean, it, it dep- who's Hammerstone defending against? Well, we are trying to put pen to paper, and uh, if we get the person that we are looking to, hopefully uh, by the time this airs, we'll have the uh, the match set. But I'm pretty sure the heavyweight championship match uh, would be the main event. So, you know, co-main event, I guess you could say, sure. at worst. And then sure. we got a four-way contenders match that features all former uh, champions in one way. Uh, Graves, he's pretty much had Nevada State tag belts, heavyweight belt. Ice Williams, Nevada, you know, no limits champion, Remy Marcel, Grand Slam champion. And it's it's the building blocks. If we got the person that we're looking to get for the match against Hammerstone, then there's a chance that it adds somebody else into that four-way. Right, right. So, you know, we're just waiting for the, uh, you know, the block to, to, to fall into place. And then we can uh, move forward on who will be in the four way. So, yeah, a lot of you know, big matches, six women tag, six a six woman tag team match uh, with Viva on one side and 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 Maserati on the other. Uh, Primo Henio will return. Uh, right now, it looks like we're maybe doing a. Uh, triple threat match with Primo Henio, Jordan Cruz, and Devin Reno. Okay. Uh, that that will be a, a match on the card. We're working on a, a six-man tag that will feature the likes of Clutch and, and Kevin Koa and Blair Brody. So it's going to be a, a mixture of uh, some of the younger up-and-coming talent as well as some of the, uh, the the veteran talent. So well, we we got a lot on the agenda. Nick Xander's scheduled to be there. 
if Nick Xander's around, I'm pretty sure Nick Bugatti will be in the area. Sure. So, you know, we're we're looking at it as, you know, you kind of kind of say the 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 final FSW Arena show of the year, but I guess the New Year's Eve show is really the final show of the year. So, I'm looking at this as possibly the biggest FSW Arena show of the year to, yeah. you know, end end the year off right. You know, we got a toy drive, uh, $5 off admission uh, with a new unwrapped toy. We're going to do a raffle, uh, five bucks, three for 10. And, you know, we're going to give away, hopefully some of the wrestlers will contribute. But we hope to have a good amount of memorabilia, merchandise, you know, free tickets, you know, whatever it is to enhance. It's all for, you know, a great cause, I believe. Uh, the the toys and stuff is going to be donated to Shade Tree, okay. uh, which we've done in the past. So, you know, we're hoping for you know a good turnout. Yeah, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great way to go see a show and also uh, give back as well. Um, is this uh, what we consider kind of a Defalco Classic card with six man tag, six women tag? Four four way scramble, three way scramble. Is this uh, how we get everyone on the show? <laughs> yeah, but it, it it makes sense in what we're doing. So sometimes we're just throwing together uh, multiple person matches. But in this case, the women's six person tag, you know, it, it right. fits of what we're doing. We we got some rising stars in the women's division and we got some established ones and you know that that's a good match and who's deserving of wrestling the heavyweight champion and no escape you know it's easy to say hammerstone but we're putting an obstacle in the way so the winner of the four-way is going to get an opportunity at no escape and we're putting in you know, for all-time greats in FSW. So, you know, you you can't look at that match. You know, it's not a random pre-show match where we're trying to get four students on there right. or one one guy on the roster and, and three students. This, this, is, this is for all the marbles. You know, the winner gets a shot at the heavyweight championship. And then, you know, with Vandergriff and, and Gregory Sharp, you know, two of the best of this year. You know, you can argue either way. Who's the wrestler of the year? I don't think anybody would doubt that it's either Gregory Sharp or Matt Vandegrift. Well, here's the final litmus test. Right. Gregory Sharp has wrestled, you know, the Remy Marcells and the Davy Richards, while Matt Vandegrift has wrestled, you know, the best of the best, you know, he's wrestled Trey Miguel and he's wrestled, you know, a who's who that, you know, offhand, I can't think of, you know, he wrestled TJP. That might've been the year before. So, but it's like, he was, he was uh, the sheriff speedball. Mike Bailey was the one match. I can right. Mike Bailey he had, and and he had the trilogy with Jay Vidal. So, who I believe was last year's uh, wrestler of the year. Right. And, and Matt 
took that one. I believe I believe two to one because he won the belt, lost the belt. Yeah, I think it was right, and then won the belt. So and then won the belt, and then he kept the belt. So I think he beat him three out of four. Yeah, in that yeah. situation, right? Because the the fourth match was was Jay's uh, loser leaves Swan town. Match. Yeah. Um, when you think about this year's uh, you know qualifiers for year end awards, uh, last year there was a little controversy because no one really could actually pick the match of the year. Are we looking at the same scenario this year? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been such a crazy year. I haven't even really thought about it and I'm pretty sure I got to get all these nominees up by the 17th at the show. Right. And you know, there's matches, like I said, you know, I thought Davey Richards and Jacob Austin Young off the top of my head, uh, was the best match I saw this year that, that, that I enjoyed the most. Yeah. So now it's kind of, you know, we need to look back, you know, and, and put it all there and to see is Matt Vandegrift and Damian Drake. I would assume that's eligible if you want to count the Iron Man match because it happened, right. you know, we already had the winners decided. We can't like not count right. that week. It happened right at, you know, midnight. I believe it ended. So, uh, that could be something. And then looking back at the revolver show and looking back at the, all the casino shows and it's like, okay, what, what stood out yeah. in, in that situation? And, you know, we run a lot of shows, so there's a lot of matches and yeah. it's kind of like, you know, it's usually easy because you, the first three or four, when you think about it, you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, that, that was a great match. You know, I remember Jay Vidal and Eli Everfly this year was yeah. a, a tremendous match. So, again, you have to go back and say, hey, what about Ice Williams and Hammerstone? A lot of people, you know, felt that might have been one of the uh, best matches of the year. But I'll be honest, like, I haven't even thought about it, and I have to, but it's like, you know, rookie of the year. That, that's a tough one this year. Like, I'm not sure we've had really anybody who's a rookie that has stood out tremendously. Like last year, you know, Nick Xander, Bodie, Brett the Threat, those were easy choices as three nominees. So, and, so, you're, so you're looking, if, if the fans decide, you know, it's Jimmy Jack. Guys only had like three matches. I'm just saying, if the fans decide, you know they're going to vote. Well, yeah, yeah, we, we don't let the fans decide because the, the the fan the fans are based on not even sometimes fans. Their favorite wrestler tells them to go vote, and it's like, <laughs> oh, I had 62 votes, and it's like, yeah, 59 of them never came to a show. You know what I mean? So. Uh, it's a that's a great point. Um, do you think uh, guys like uh, Davion, uh, 
would would qualify this year? Would would he look at? Yeah, I got to look at the list. Like I'm pretty sure Alice Blair was nominated last year because I I believe she had the matches, and I think Davion did too. So I I have to like look at the list of everybody to see who's eligible because I remember there was the year with Ice Williams that he kind of overlapped, so he kind of didn't get if I remember correctly, because he only had a few matches, yet we included him in the rookie of the year and he had no shot. And then right. the next year, it's kind of like baseball. You know, you got to have those 144 right. at-bats. If you have 137, uh, you're not eligible, but then you become eligible the next year. So sure. technically it's still your second year. Yeah. Like Hero Lou won the rookie of the year, but he actually debuted like two years earlier. Right. And he tore his ACL. And other than the rumble, I'm not sure he had a couple of matches here and there. And I also got to look at Arizona. You know, Devin Reno, I believe this is his rookie year. Would that hold? Blair Brody could be the. That that whole crew probably qualifies for rookie of the year. Right. So that's also. You know, that needs to be, you know, taken, you know, we had that in the past. I remember uh, Hammerstone and Che Cabrera were the two main guys because we didn't have FSW guys. But Hammerstone, you know, we don't we don't make a rookie of the year. The guy who debuted in FSW as his first year, it's his first year in the business. And that was Hammerstone's first year in the business. That was Che Cabrera's first year in the business. So I have a lot of work to do over the next week or, or, or five-day period to, you know, take a look at. Sorry you know, to bring that up and, and make more work for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, you know, it's part of the gig. And, and you know, you, you like to reward the people. You know, it's always easy. It's like, okay, uh, who's the most hated wrestler? Well, you know, off the top of my head, I can quickly say a Brett the Thread, a Gregory Sharp, a Suavecitos, you know, Ricky Tenacious, even though he's starting to get a little bit of a following from some people. You know, he comes out and, and, you know, if he was around more, and he will be this year, but he wasn't really last year. You know, Danny Limelight is a guy that draws, you know, tons of heat. So the whole faction. The faction, there you go. You know, they they, they would be lumped in as, as one unit. So <laughs> the names I said, usually we limit it to four or five. Uh, we can go to six in that. You know, we yeah. can go to, you know, who is... You, the favorite wrestler of, you know, FSW. Well, you, you always hear the reaction when Funny Bone comes out, when Cody comes out, when Remy comes out, when Hammerstone comes out. You know, Graves, we didn't use as much, who's been a most popular guy. Chris Bay, uh, does he qualify? You know, maybe he hadn't enough matches, but he he's, you know, easily one of the most favorite wrestlers. Matt Vandegriff is really you know, skyrocketed back this year. Uh, Damian Drake, you know, coming out to my favorite song, Relax, you know, and uh, Nick Xander. Yeah. 
you know, Nick Bugatti on the other end. So, you know, those are the easy. Then then you look at, okay, uh, who's a breakthrough star, you know, and I think this year we really established, say, an Eli Everfly who's had a big year. Danny Limelight, you know, he's the guy who's come in, and even though he hasn't had a ton of matches, he's really made his presence felt in in FSW. So, again, you want to take some of these guys and, and look at them, Blair Brody, He's a guy that we, you know, think very, very highly of. So, you know, some some of those, you know, what's the feud of the year? Is it Xander and Bugatti? Is it, you know, what Hammerstone did with Ike? You know, TBD, you know, tag team of the year. You know, TBD, you know, Toko Uso, they, they, they weren't around long enough. Right. You know, they kind of disbanded pretty early on. You know, Sky High, if you want to put a team that's really popular in as most popular, you yeah. know, woman wrestler of the year. You know, I don't know if I'm going out on a limb, but saying Viva Van is the FSW women's wrestler of the year, that's kind of a no contest. Moz hadn't right. been around all year. And right. everybody who else has been around – Viva Van is defeated. So right. that, that, that you know, the, that one doesn't really need a category of five are, people. Are you announcing it right now? Viva Van is Viva women's Van, one. FSW Women's Wrestler of the Year. So, <laughs> but that, that, that's an easy choice. Right. Right. So, you know, then again, now going back, you know, the Wrestler of the Year. Well, you know, there's always going to be other nominees that were really, really good. But I think, you know, is Matt Vandergriff a breakout star because he had a huge year to go along with the wrestler of the year? You know, usually that breakthrough star is the guy that we look at as the next guy that looks like he's in position. Gregory Sharp, a breakthrough star, you know, even though he's been around for 12 years. Right. Um, Would someone like Jay Vidal qualify being that, he literally was a breakout star because he went on and, and signed this year? Uh, I'm not sure because wasn't he the wrestler of the year last year? That wouldn't he didn't break through if he was the wrestler of the year last year. That makes yeah, that makes kind of like almost going backwards, you know. It's like the comeback player of the year. Like in football, it it's gotta be right. Geno Smith. Right. Because he was yeah. a guy that I laughed at, like, they're going to make this bum the quarterback. You know, he's been on the bench for nine years, and he sucked before that. But, you know, he's played amazingly. You know, Jared Goff of the the Lions, he's played tremendous this year. And, you know, that's what you look at as comeback, breakthrough. So, you know, is Nick Zander, you know, a breakthrough star? Being that he was the rookie of the year, Bodie. You know, again, there, there's another guy for most favorite wrestler of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's phenomenal. Take to, Boston Young, you know, yeah. he's beloved by the crowd. Yeah, um, when you when you think of uh, 
you know, the past and, and what you've done with awards, one of the things that you have done is the Hall of Fame. Is there any consideration of uh, doing a Hall of Fame class uh, for this coming year? You know, we wanted to do it after the pandemic, and we already had guys that we were setting up for it. You know, Mike Modest, uh, Paulie Cover, you know, Matt Matt Hardy, who really helped expand FSW uh, nationally. Right. Uh, when he became a major part of our company. So, you know, those are the first three that automatically, you know, would go in. And then over the years, there's, you know, you're going to add more every year. And I believe we added the Hater Nation, but we hadn't added the following yet. And right. the following would definitely be you know, that group that easily would go in there. You know, we, we've kind of swayed away from, like, Kenny King is an FSW Hall of Famer, our first champion, our trainer. But because he's still so active, even though he's in with the Hater Nation, it's kind of a weird dynamic. Right. We, we, the Hater Nation is no longer, so it seemed easier to put them in while – I have reservations about Kenny King being individual, but because he's still so active, you know, a Hammerstone, a Funny Bone, a Cody, a Remy, you know, those guys are easily FSW Hall of Famers. They're, you know, since our beginning, a lot of those guys have been around since day one. And, you know, the longevity Funny Bone, even though he didn't wrestle on our very first event, he was there. Cody uh, was in the Battle Royal, as was Remy. Uh, So that was 2009. Uh, A Brian Cage, uh, an L.A. Knight, uh, Eli Drake. Uh, We've been there. We, you know, had the Alcatraz, and we've had the Tyshawn Prince, and we've had the legend. We always like to have that legend, which would be Matt Hardy, in the past, the Godfather, not for what he's done in FSW, but what he's done in Vegas. Right. And same thing with Nick Bockwinkel when he was in, you know, you can't have a Hall of Fame in Las Vegas, Nevada, and Nick Bockwinkel not be in it. Yeah. So, you know, you want to make sure that you, you try to legitimize it. You know, you look at the WWE and it's like, Coco Beware, like Nikolai Volkov. And it's like, why are those guys in it? And I know there's always politics involved and, you know, there's certain people that because whether they had heat with Vince or they were uh, ostracized and and banned, like Macho Man didn't get in until after he died. And, you know, if there's ever a unanimous choice first ballot Hall of Famer, other than Hulk Hogan and Steve Austin and The Rock, the macho man, Randy Savage, you know, yeah. was the guy, but because of rumors and whether they were true or not, that, that, that's what kept him out. So, yeah. you know, we tried to make those kind of accolades, not storyline based, you know, people who have earned those positions are deserving of it. And we want to make sure 
the acknowledgement is there because it is a big moment for, you know, people. Uh, yeah. A guy like Rush, it wasn't like he had a Hall of Fame career in FSW. You know, he was a guy who was Buffalo Jim's first champion. And then yeah. he went and did his own thing. And then he wrestled with us. So, you know, his company trained Funny Bone and Legacy and a lot of these guys who became the next generation for us because when we started, we didn't really have a, a large local base. Yeah. You know, all our tag teams minus Funny Bone and Legacy, they were the homegrown guys. They were the only ones from Vegas. You know, we had brought in the Von Dooms and the Commandos and the Reno Scum and guys out of Arizona because we had a search for tag teams because yeah. <laughs> there was no school. There was no wrestling in 2003, yeah. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 in, in Vegas. There, there was no schools anymore. So for me to start a company, I had to go searching. And that's, you know, when I found the Young Bucks and all the guys that we, you know, we when you look at our first show, uh, Legacy had just started his school. So right. guys like Sugar Brown, who wasn't Sugar Brown at the time, and, and Legacy and his crew, you know, Mike Delight was a referee for the opening match, which was the VCW, which was Legacy's company spotlight match that Kenny King went nuts on because they're doing Towers of Doom spots in the pre-show match <laughs> because they're excited. It's their first fucking match ever, like all these right. guys. And then the rest were in the Battle Royal where there were guys that were left over, say, from... You know, Russia's school, Big Reno Tafuli was in it. Big Samoan guy, one of the strongest dudes I've ever met. Jason Portain, Scotty Ice. You know, Remy was friends with Scotty Ice, and he was in town, and he used to train a little bit in Vegas, went to, to Ring of Honor. Uh, Cody was at Adrenaline, and he did the – where he got choke slammed over, and that's when Crash Test was, was born. So – it's amazing to do if you did the 13 years from the beginning of FSW, you know, funny bone fucked over Derek Nykirk, which allowed Kenny King to become the heavyweight champion in a tournament. We did that day. Uh, little Cholo was scheduled, never showed up, never heard a thing from him. So the young bucks brother Malachi ended up uh, advancing because he wrestled the guy, uh, Nick Tucker, who we had to get rid of because he deliberately knocked over the big FSW letters at our very first show at Silver Nugget. <laughs> you know, and then he tried to play dumb after, like, he told people. Like, a guy like Thomas Day was backstage because I dealt with Thomas Day. Uh, they were adrenaline guys, and MySpace was prevalent then. Right. And I used to talk to those guys. And uh, Thomas Day wrestled the guy Lex Luco in, in a pre-show match. And we had a horrible battle royal at the first Silver Nugget show. Oh, it was the worst. Don Vitale was in that, by the way. 
Oh, well, did, did are you are you blaming it on Don? Is that no? I'm not, but I'm just letting you know that he was in that match. Um, and, his old, and his old partner, uh, Frenchie Riviera, when they Frenchie were the freak Riviera. show. Yeah. Because Gallo and Nykirk and uh, this guy, Woody, who used to be a bodybuilder, and Ryan Castellucci, who recently passed away. They were the Atlantic City All-Stars, and they were part of the tag tournament. So, yeah, it's crazy looking back, you know, 13 years of uh, everything that's gone on and, and seeing who's still, you know. And I always say it's funny. You, know, you look at Remy, Cody, and Funny Bone, and they're in way better shape than they were in their early 20s. Yeah. Um, has it ever crossed your mind? Have you ever thought about running – a special show that revisits some of those matches from, you know, maybe the first five years or so that you would, you know, be able to maybe, you know, bring back some people to, you know, have that one more match against each other uh, as kind of a, a tribute to the, the first few years. You know, I'd love to, it's unfortunate because, Vegas being as transient it is, so many people are in and out. There's so many fans today that aren't aware of the guys in the past. Right. And a guy like Legacy was a major part, the Hater Nation, tag champ, no limits champion. And I remember we, hey, you know, here's a great idea, the anniversary battle royal. You know, we try to bring back some of those old faces. And he gets introduced and it was funny because I was one of our younger guys at the time. And I guess Hater was back there. And he was like, hey, you know, listen up. Crowd's going to go crazy for this one. And they announced Legacy. And it was just kind of like, okay, who's that? Because it was just too many people were unaware of who he was anymore. It was four, five, six years. But it wasn't 15 years. It was four or five. Yeah, and, and I remember people with tears in their eyes when the Hater Nation broke up when they lost the big match at Silverton in the main event where all the belts were on the line. It was Tyshawn and the Commandos against the Hater Nation, which was Hater, Legacy, and Kenny King. And, you know, they cut a promo after the show when they lost that pretty much nobody left. They, they were such a popular tag team. Yeah. It was such a popular faction that you would think a few years later it would mean like, oh, man, this is awesome. They're back. And yeah. we even did the match where we did uh, Sugar Brown came back and we did the anniversary show, we, which we did do. And right. Bryce ended up no show. You know, right. haven't heard from the dude since. He showed up for the anniversary thing and for the Hall of Fame. Uh, that we did with the haters. We set it up and right. ended up being, and that's what put uh, Cody and Jake back together. Right. Like you saw the chemistry, but the, the, but the people were still behind them because Cody and Jake were still integral parts of FSW. Right. So what they did in the past was easy to be reminded because they were still doing the present day FSW while the other guys weren't. Yeah. 
which became weird because we had to have the because Cody and Jake were the main guys still, and we weren't really using the other three. We did a two on three handicap match right. where the two guys had to win. Right. So, so yeah, we we've thought about it. Uh, we did the I remember we did the Hall of Fame and Tyshawn Prince did the Battle Royal. You know, so we we've been fortunate. You know. I've jokingly said to Alcatraz numerous times to uh, to get Big Al back in the ring, you know. But unfortunately, <laughs> us, you know, he's he's busy. I think he's the new Santa Claus, so uh, I think he's busy for seasons beatings. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, and hey, man, either go back in the ring or uh, stay with the. Uh... The coffee business. I think uh, Alcatraz is now uh, formally. Uh, Who would have thought he would be a connoisseur of coffee? Right, right. Uh, you uh, have uh, New Year's Eve's uh, countdown to midnight coming up on New Year's Eve. Uh, any updates on that? Have you? Uh, you know, signed any matches? Have you even thought about what you're looking to do for that show? Yeah, we got a couple of ideas. You know, I'm trying to see who's available the 17th, who's available the 31st, because the 17th is is pretty crowded. Yeah. So some of the guys who can make the 31st, it's kind of like, hey, we're going to leave you off the 17th just because there's just not room. You know, we have so much that we're building toward no escape. You know, I do have commitments from, you know, a good amount of talent. Like Damian Drake won't be on the 17th, but he'll be there for the 31st. Matt Vandergriff, you know, he, he's always available. So he'll be there the 31st. And, and Gregory Sharp will be there the 31st. And Nick Xander will be there the 31st. And Bugatti will be there. Uh, Clutch. Uh, some of the younger guys will get an opportunity. Because it's definitely a show that I'm not looking for somebody from California and Arizona to drive into Vegas on New Year's Eve. <laughs> you know, that five hours might become nine in, to wrestle on a show. So we're yeah. definitely going to keep it uh, localized, which, you know, means some of the younger guys who may you may only see on Future Shock or an occasional high octane. Uh will get an opportunity to to wrestle on a little bit bigger you know stage being the New Year's Eve show which you know we we've had it as a this will be the third year uh, tradition uh, yeah. I heard yesterday your boy Jimmy Jack fractured some ribs last week so uh, he might be on the shelf for a little bit but Damn. fractured that four sucks. ribs I believe Jeez. And, Injury update. Uh, is I mean, again again that always that always makes me wonder like how do you view that when uh, you know an injury happens uh, but it's not under the FSW banner it's you know wherever else someone has wrestled. Um, well, it that, always makes me it makes me curious. Was he in there with somebody? who was experienced because in wrestling there's, there's tons of injuries all the time. And sometimes it's not anybody's fault, but 
we that's why we also say, hey, you know, again, a Jimmy Jack is not in this position to where he's going to dictate to some other promoter who right. he's going to wrestle. But, you know, you also want to make sure you're not wrestling somebody who, when you know you're pretty green, is greener than you. Right. Because yeah. it's a recipe for disaster. You could fuck somebody up or they can fuck you up. It it isn't generally going to always be the other person's fault. But you're in a position to where, you know, you're inexperienced and you want to get reps. But you wrestling a Brett the Threat who has gone through those growing pains and now he's two full years in, you know, he, he understands more than when he did two years ago when he first started where... He got the opportunities to wrestle Remy Marcel and he wrestled Hammerstone. And even though we involved him in feuds with like Nick Xander, he also wrestled guys that were, you know, at, yeah. at the top of the heap to, yeah. to get that experience and, and hopefully learn. And yeah. uh, with Jimmy Jack, like, I don't even know who he wrestled and how he got hurt or, or whatever. I'm assuming it was in a match last week. So, but the question is, who did he work? You know, was the guy the shits? Was the guy inexperienced? Did the guy do something wrong? Or was it Jimmy Jack's fault? You know, I can't put blame on somebody because I don't really know. You know, my, my son picked up some more lighting. So we're, you know... I could just see him now trying to uh, blind out the place with all his new gobos and all this other stuff. You know, I saw him and it's like, you know, we don't need the fog machine on for seven minutes in the arena. You know, it, it, it kind of stuck at silver nugget last show. And it was like watching the fog bowl at soldier field with the bears. Well, you know, hey, man, I think you just stumbled upon a new innovative match, a fog match. <laughs> I like the idea of the fire extinguisher match more because at Highway to Hell, when Alcatraz wrestled Tyshawn and his receipt for getting fucked up, getting the Baldo bomb from the top of the cage to Tyshawn uh, was to basically empty a fire extinguisher all over Tyshawn Prince to where he looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> you know, here's a guy six foot nine walking around. It's like it was it was really weird and extremely funny at the same time. <laughs> oh man. And and those fire extinguishers are not uh you know if it's if it's not a gimmick fire extinguisher Oh, it sure was not. And, and I yeah. know Tyshawn was gagging. He couldn't breathe. Yeah, I've, I've experienced that once. And I never want to inhale that shit again because it's it's nasty. And that's hysterical. <laughs> and he did that. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're looking at getting into uh, the new year. You'll have uh, New Year's resolution on Friday the 13th, and then, of course, no escape on Sunday the 29th. Um, when you start a new calendar year like this and you're, you're heading into no escape, what does it do for you in terms of 
does that excitement kind of reset for you in terms of it being now kind of a fresh calendar year and, you know, looking at just where you can be going in the new year uh, as opposed to, you know, just kind of closing the the chapter on the past year? Well, unlike WWE, when we get to no escape, that kind of ends a bunch of feuds. You know, right. we don't now have the WrestleMania rewind where on Monday Night Raw, where people used to pay 50, 60 bucks to watch WrestleMania only to watch the other guy win the next day and the feud just never ended. The idea is the three cage matches kind of will finish off the feud, right. hopefully. And the other matches, like right now, Danny Limelight will challenge for the No Limits Championship on January 29th at No Escape. Now, whether it's Matt Vandegrift, Gregory Sharp, or anybody else, because Matt Vandegrift, he's got tons on his plate. He's working sharp on the uh, on the 17th. Whatever happens there, if he gets by that, uh, I'm pretty sure on January 13th, a guy like Jordan Oasis is going to get one more opportunity. So right. that's in play. Uh, whoever wins the FSW heavyweight title match on the 17th will wrestle whoever wins the four-way. Right. So the January 13th, there will be some matches already made, and we will be finalizing the buildup. Uh, and, of course, we're still going to put eight nine matches on the show. So, you know, whether it's to add to a stipulation, whether it's we need contenders, uh, another match that we can end, we just announced, uh, we're going to have a tag team gauntlet match. And obviously the tag titles are on the line. So TBD is at, is at the end of the gauntlet. There'll be yeah. four teams and guys who know each other really well, Sky High, Suavecitos, a newer team that we've been using that we like a lot, the Regulators. Yeah. So those three teams are going to battle out in a gauntlet match. And whoever gets by those three, you know, those two matches, whoever survives will then wrestle immediately, which is that's why it's a gauntlet match, TBD right. for the tag titles. So uh, will TBD go into No Escape as the tag champs? Or will somebody else? Yeah. And, you know, probably on the 31st or January 13th, there'll be a match kind of set up to, to lead to that. Because we already know, you know, the heavyweight title's on the line. Right. Women's match on the line. The tag titles will be on the line. Uh, no Limits. And or Nevada State. Right. You know, so that's at least one more match. So that's at four. And then it's filling in and, you know, what feuds we have going on. You know, three will be in the cage. So there's a good chance there's at least four title matches on that show. Hey, 
you know, who, who's to say the Mecca Grand Championship doesn't get, yeah, you know, how, how awesome would it be after everything said that uh, Johnny Mecca returns to take on Chris Bay? Sure. Don't know yet. Haven't had these conversations. I know John's back and he's wrestling. Uh, he's working. Not, not that it's till March, but he's working Sammy's Revolver show. Right, right. I think he's going as Johnny Revolver. <laughs> Best gimmick ever. I, I just, I love the fact that he's just been able to like be so smart and pick up on that. Like, yeah, just use the the last name is just whatever I'm involved in right now. That was one of the my favorite things that he, any wrestler's ever done, and you know it's him. Like. It's just it's it's so smart. Could you uh, could you possibly see if uh, if Mr. Morrison comes in uh, that uh, his uh, companion there and and uh, the wifey uh, Taya might come in to uh, you know maybe try to get uh, the FSW title back. Well, this I know in the here. past. In the past, you know, there was a rate for John, and then it was kind of a package rate if you brought in Taya. So, you know, maybe we could save a few bucks here, a few bucks there. You know, John is easy to negotiate with, and one of my favorite people to deal with who, you know, they're stars, but John Morrison's a superstar. And John Morrison can dictate a lot of things of what he does. And John is one of the few superstars that goes out of way, out of his way for, for your company. It's, yeah. hey, John, what's up? Hey, man, I need a promo. Blah, 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 blah. And I've dealt with the other guys. And you got to remind them and do stuff. Like, John's right there. Like, boom. Like, he'll actually fucking answer the phone if he's not yeah. doing nothing. Like, yeah. there's some guys, and there's guys I like a lot. And they'll get back to you, but they'll never answer the phone. You'll right. always have to text. And then they'll respond, you know, whenever, you know, hopefully sooner than later. But it's like, hey, John, I need this. You know, you're able to bang it out. Okay. He ended up showing up at, we, he, at the impact tapings. And we're the ones who actually filmed his promo. Yeah. You know, yeah. where... He, he unfortunately had to cut three promos because he was congratulating whoever, you know, would win the Mecca Grand Championship because it was the night before. So, but he, he's cool like that. Like he's I, I, okay. Joe, I still love the fact that even though pro wrestling is a scripted work, you still <laughs> required him to do Three different <laughs> three promos. You know, we don't know who's gonna win. What happens? Something happens. You know, at our very first Silver Nuggets show, we crowned new tag team champions when we weren't supposed to crown new tag team champions. You know, to this day, I still think Tommy Zaniga got offered weed from the commandos not to stop the count. But you know, that 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 again will go into the lore. Of the, you know, when I'm dead, the history of uh, FSW from day one. 
you know, we went through this whole tournament for the Von Dooms to win the tag titles. So, and they had beaten the Commandos in the first round. And then they went on and they won the ladder match. So it was a hard fought match. So we gave them the, the Commandos in the first match as to defend the titles at the next show. And it was time limit draw. And it was Commandos hit their thiz bomb. And the referee counts. One, two, bell rings, time limit draw. Instead, it's fizz bomb. One, two, three. New champions. We're like, what the fuck just happened? And it was like, oh, I didn't know that was finished. Like, really? You had no clue that the fizz bomb is the commando's finish? I say you're a liar. And again, I'll always remember the commandos walking up the stairs. I'm in the back because we had the sound. Our sound was back there. So Jack Slammy's running the sound. I'm back there with him. They're walking up with the belts. And, you know, one of the commandos, can't really tell them apart too much, but he's walking up the stairs. He looks at me and goes, and just kept walking. And it was like, what the fuck? And we had new tag team. That was like, maybe our second or third silver nugget show. And it was really a wake up call because it was a shit show from the fucking beginning. And it was like, well, this is the perfect way to finish it off where, you know, matches that should have been good. just turned out that they weren't. And, and everything that we had done the first two or three shows was like, Oh, this is fucking simple, man. Like, I can't believe nobody's done this. This is fucking great. We're awesome. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this match sucked and this thing happened here. And it was like the perfect ending was, guess what? We're going to have new champions without having new champions. That should be an episode of From the Vault. That's what I still need to bring back. That was like my favorite thing we did, From the Vault. It was like, wow, back in the day – Jacob Austin Young one was my favorite one because Jacob Austin Young was, you know, part of the following, didn't really say anything. You didn't really know who he was. And in from the vault, it was kind of like a documentary type thing that we did. And it really opened up to like, wow, I really like this guy. You know, he, he, he talked about his passion in wrestling, especially the Japanese stuff. And you really learned a lot. And, you know, we did one with Cross that that was also real good. And I believe we did the Whirlwind Gentleman. But it was a really in-depth thing. It was almost like, you know, wrestling's behind the music type of thing. Sure. And we ended up doing one with Bay. I'm not even sure if it's sort of the light of day. We, we, We put one together with Lacey a little bit. She ended up getting signed. So I'm not even sure. But from the vault, I you know, there there's so many crazy moments, things like that. Hey, you know, how did the FSW GCW show, how did that get all put together? I, I think fans would enjoy, you know, yeah. learning the backstage stuff. You know, maybe Effie would be surprised that his boss was the one that had the idea and put together him and Disco instead of thinking it was me this whole time, as Jay Vidal relayed to me. 
Like, I don't know why he put that match. It was like, because I fucking didn't. It was the only match your boss kind of insisted on. <laughs> so, you know, but, the, you know, the backstage stuff and, and the light tubes and how we got to that with Cody, who didn't want to do GCW light. And, you know, we were insistent of no light tubes in the uh, in the arena because, you know, the fans are six feet apart. You know, when I was at the nerd bar and Jimmy Lloyd was there and he cracked a light tube as I watched the light tubes fly right past the guy's head who was sitting in the audience, you know, and I guess that that's what they pay for. But to me, it's a walking lawsuit. And it was like in our building, especially at the GCW show, because it was so close, we had no guardrails. Right. So the guy was literally three feet away from you. And when somebody loses an eye, who's the one who's getting fucking sued? It's going to be me. So, you know, we agreed that we took it into the alley and they did whatever they wanted. If the fans wanted to circle the area and get hit by light tubes, so be it. But, you know, just doing that and and putting some of this stuff together and, and some of the, you know, whether it's the dynasty with Sally or the following or, or whatever it is. There's so much like Brian Cage lives in town. I'm pretty sure eh, maybe not with AEW, but, you know, the rise of him. I, I was just on the Facebook and it had a uh, yeah a Facebook memory. And it was literally like the end of 2009. And that was when Gatson and Brian Cage wrestled. And that was uh, Brian's first match in FSW that ended up being the 2009 match of the year and you look at brian and you're like wow how he was so skinny but i remember in 2009 when we came in we were like wow this motherfucker's jacked yeah but you know he he got progressively bigger literally 14 bookings in a row like every time you saw him it was like hey this guy's bigger hey he's big holy shit he's bigger and then be like geez how could he be bigger but he always was. Yeah. And but it's funny because he was it was kind of like that Scott Steiner stuff, except that you know, Steiner would still do the Frankensteiner and do a couple things, but he really limited his his prowess of the high flying stuff. But Cage right. was always a guy who, despite being his size, was still doing a lot of stuff that some of the older school veterans complain about because he's so big that he's doing all this stuff. And it's like, well, that was his arsenal that got him there and he's continuing to do it. Yeah. But it's just funny looking at that picture and some of the comments, like people are like, Holy shit. Like they can't believe, you know, they probably thought that Brian cage could only have been that small when he was like 12 years old. (laughs) Um, and I like to. I would like to see uh, you run that matchup. Uh, speaking of going back to match, I'd love to see Gatson now against Cage now, because I think that would be a, a phenomenal, uh, just a phenomenal work rate match between those two. Well, yeah, there, there, there's so many different things I'd love to do. Like, sure. Let, let's go flashback 2012's match of the year and redo it. it. It's similar to me having the idea of doing like a real night of champions 
where the only people on the card are, were champions Happens, and yeah. having, you know, the heavyweight champion defend against the former heavyweight champion or, you know, a no limits match that has Matt Vandergriff, Jay Vidal, Ice Williams, Damian Drake, and Remy Marcel, for example. And yeah. it's just all former champions battling each other. Like, we were looking at one point because we were talking to the Reno scum. Uh, the commandos have always wanted to come in. And that was one option for a no escape to do like a four-way match between TBD, Reno scum, suburban commandos, and the 1% now known as the uh, West Coast Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Like those are – you know, the current champions against three of the most decorated tag team champions we could have. Obviously, the whirlwind gentlemen are no more. But other than those three, you know, the Von Dooms, I, you know, I think Cyanide's been too busy selling houses for the last eight years. I don't think he's really wrestling much anymore. So, but people have seen Reno Scum on Impact Television. The right. New Japan has Royce Isaacs and Jarrell, so they're very, very relevant these days. And we had actually had, you know, Royce and Jarrell coming back with, with Tom Lawler, uh, but they got stuck, uh, I think, somewhere in Illinois or whatever. So Saint, that's what Saint happens. Louis. It was St. Louis. Was it Saint Louis. St. Louis? I knew, like, yeah, okay, yeah, because Davey yeah. missed that sh show because he got hurt. Right. And he was on the same show as them. And it was crazy because, you know, that's what happens when you go on Frontier Airlines. If you, if, if one of the flights are canceled, there ain't another one till tomorrow. So, you know, I, I, I do thank Royce and Jarrell for lowering the budget a little bit at the, uh, at the event. So between that and, and Davey, you know, uh, the Mecca cost a little bit less than the extremely high price that it was the uh, the the uh <laughs> the red versus the uh black line it was uh yes you know and, and now i still have uh, uh a partial flight for jarrell to uh, los angeles because they were all flying in uh royce was doing mocap so he didn't need one right you know not yeah. that it's that expensive but hey when i booked that flight I probably can now get two flights for the price of one because it was, it ended up being booked late. And yeah. normally you, you can get a LA, you can find them for 59 bucks. So, you know, the plan is still to bring those guys back. And obviously since we're working with making sure that we don't collide, especially the casino shows with new Japan who runs them on Sundays. So, yeah. you know, there, there's a great, core of talent especially now that they're using sharp and jacob austin young too right. so uh between that and limelight and and, and bateman who we like to use and sometimes lawler at the bigger shows and the, and royce and jarrell and a tito and now chase working there yeah. that we've been trying to get back there's about those are eight guys that we couldn't use, like I said before, it against all odds. Right. That boy, we might have had to do a forty-man rumble that day. 
you know, and and let's let's face it too. Like uh, Chris Bay just went over to you know Chris New Bay, Japan. yeah, and he worked in New Japan. TJP, yeah, you could actually run an FSW versus New Japan show and not have to bring in anyone from New Japan. And you know, just just label it. I mean, talk about selling fight TV buys right there. You know, pretty simple. If I don't have to pay Rocky Romero, I'm good. <laughs> Man, I, you know, his prices skyrocketed from when he was our boy back in the day. Hey, yeah, he, he's put in his dues. You know, he's he's earned his uh, his bump. <laughs> you know, he doesn't give me. He sure don't give me the Boricua rate. I'll tell you that. Um, as we uh, get ready to kind of wrap up here this week, uh, you know, ROH had a pay-per-view, um, and now Brian Cage and uh, Toa are part of the three-man tag champions of ROH. Great. Now now their rates are going to go even higher from the last show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was another one. I had actually... Uh, Toa and Khan, even though they're wrestling separately as the Gates of Agony, they're going to be at PCW on January 27th on the Friday. So he had reached out to me last year or whatever, Khan. So yeah. I reached out to him and said, hey, you know, love to do TBD versus the Gates of Agony. But unfortunately, Khan's booked in Houston on mm-hmm. January 28th. And we were looking to do that tag match. Uh, at no escape, which would have been, you know, a big match for them and, and keeping toe in the mix, you know, it was obviously at the against all odds that there's a lot of people in the audience that watch AEW because Toa got the biggest response he'd ever received in an FSW ring. And people were a little disappointed that he didn't win the rumble that a lot of people were rooting for him. But, you know, as we told the backstory, of uh, the late addition of Matt Vandegrift into that match. Right. So, you know, it, it's crazy the promoter's job. And that's what the, you know, most of the fans don't see that inner workings of how things have to be changed and adjusted. And, you know, five days before the show, oh, by the way, uh, AAA decided to do a show and Sam Adonis, who was booked, can't make it. So, you know, we have to change the options because of the politicalness of the MLW guy versus the AEW guy. And it's just like shark infested waters <laughs> and trying yeah. to figure out who can do what and what's allowed. And man. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I don't think people realize that that literally runs all the way till the final bell at the end of the show because you never know what you're dealing with at any moment, you know, even backstage two minutes before someone's ready to go out. So it's, it's very interesting how much, uh, you know, adjusting has to be done sometimes. Uh, And, you know, as we've talked before, you you have travel issues, you have um, booking issues with the other offices. Um, and then you just got, you know, regular people issues with, you know, stuff going on in people's lives or, or something going up where they can't make it. And 
that leaves you to scramble and adjust. Um, but hopefully, hopefully you'll be you'll be safe from having to adjust over the next few weeks. So no escape will go out with without a hitch. It will go off, and everything will be good, and everything you planned will go down smooth and perfectly. Yeah, no doubt. But you know, you you talk about uh, you know Cage and Toa winning the six man. Uh, Bay, Chris Bay. You know he advanced to the finals. The, yeah. And TJP, they're the tag champs in, in in New Japan, and it would have been a it would have been a clean sweep if uh, if Lacey Zoe uh, would have won that Iron Iron Challenge, the Survivor Challenge. You know she got the first pin, but unfortunately they didn't uh, give her the win, or it would have been a, a huge FSW week. Solo Sokoa, Sefa had a had another tremendous week and you know and, and he you beat had, Matt Riddle so bad he sent him into rehab. Yeah. <laughs> uh and you had uh, of course Mr. Cross show up and just give Ray some advice. It it was some really, really good advice that Ray should listen to. Yeah, you know, he should, you know, being that you know, Ray's having issues with his own son. You know, you know, Kevin can be a mentor in yeah. that situation. You know, I think he would do a much better job than Scorpio Sky as their personal uh, psychologist. <laughs> oh, man. Um, as we uh, as we look to Saturday um, again, remember, it is uh, at the FSW Arena. Uh, seven o'clock start. Um, if I'm correct, and uh, that is correct. Seven p.m. start. Get five dollars off your ticket. Exactly. Bring bring an unwrapped toy. Get five dollars off the ticket. Uh, and um, uh, since since we we're we're you know putting it out there, Joe, I think uh, FSW fan page people should start hitting up what they think uh, match of the year was. I think uh, I'm going. I I am going to have to put it out there. And normally, I like to give like a list of five or six, and then we kind of right. narrow it down. But you know, the fans, their voice is extremely loud. It isn't like, uh, oh, who cares what they say? You know, right. in a lot of cases, they they do decide it. But you know. I am the ultimate tiebreaker <laughs> and I'm not going to give somebody a win that doesn't deserve it. So, you know, if somebody comes in and says, Hey, Brandon G wrestler of the year. Unfortunately, Brandon G's got more things to worry about. Like the referee who he picked on. <laughs> But if he has 200 of his friends come in and vote. Sure. So he just wins. It's like there's no rhyme or reason. You know, it's, it's like imagine WWE and they announce that Happy Corbin is the wrestler of the year. That would be blasphemy. People would probably refuse to continue watching. 
I, I don't know, man. I, I think that everything he's done this year has qualified him to be the best of the best. Well, in somebody's eyes up there, because, you know, he's getting the old uh, Albert A-Train Tensei yeah. treatment that no matter how many characters don't seem to succeed, and in a better word, fail, he continually yep. gets better opportunities. It's yeah. like, now he's got JBL with him and he still can't get over. Well, and it's yeah. like, why is this happening? You know, why does that person, obviously he's, he's good with people, people like him. Yeah. And I'm not a huge fan myself. Like I, I see him bumping awkwardly and, and it's kind of cringeworthy to me. I've watched some of the matches and I'm just like, I'm just not, I'm just not getting it. You know, uh, the down and out Corbin, I kind of liked, but again, the, it, there's no upward mobility. That's that's at best a mid card character, which is fine. But when Triple H brings in Bray Wyatt and Strowman and Cross and and who knows who's coming with Bray Wyatt and Dexter Loomis and and all these guys, a lot of that talent has to get kind of sliced down because you can't yeah. keep that many people. I, I'm still waiting for that shoe to fall when they announce 12 releases because yeah. all of a sudden Butch is relevant and so is Ridge Holland because the right. brutes are over with Seamus and it's, you know, where's faction warfare when you need it? Well, I think, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the releases because and, and Corbin at the same time because this past week uh, when they did the poker segment, and you had a table with Shelton Benjamin and, you know, Tamina and, and Dana Brooke. And I'm just, I looked at that table and I'm like, oh, it's the future endeavors table because those were all the people who have great reputations, who have a lot of knowledge, who are good, you know, hands to, you know, get people over when you need a, a loss. But at the same time, you know that they got to be making decent enough money because of the tenure of, you know. Oh, of course. Shelton Benjamin's probably got a really good deal. And Shelton's still fantastic in the ring, yeah. you know. But, you know, hey, you know, one of the shoes dropped yesterday. Bobby Lashley I saw got fired by WWE. So, boy, I'm going to have to hit him up and, you know, see his availability. You know, not sure if he has a 90-day uh, no-compete clause. But love well, to see Bobby Lashley at no escape. He, he should he if if he does have the 90 days right then that opens him up for uh going for the next the, mecca the mecca champions yeah. yeah chris chris bay versus bobby lashley is that what you're advertising here now <laughs> you never know you know bobby lashley uh with uh, leo rush ringside back like the old days <laughs> Oh man, Leo Rush owes us one. <laughs> well, or is it two? Him and Davey uh, Richards—they're kind of both. In the... Um, any final thoughts uh, for the fans? Hey, we got you know big show on Saturday. It's you know not only is it going to be one of our best arena shows of the year, possibly the best one. You know. We we're offering things for a good cause. You know, bring a toy. Uh, we're going to have a raffle. You can win some good prizes. 
if you're going to make it out to one of our arena shows, you know, no doubt that uh, the 17th this weekend, Saturday night is, is the day to do it. You know, we have all, all the champions are going to be on hand and they're all going to be in action. And, you know, hopefully in the next day or so we can announce another big former champion that we haven't seen in a little bit in FSW uh, returns mixed in with the matches we got you know, sharp and Vandergrift. That's going to be one for the ages and uh, whoever Hammerstone works either way is going to be somebody good. So, you know, uh, I'm excited. Six person women's tag, you know, let's, let's see what Alice Blair and Tanaya and, you know, get to see Johnny Robbie again, you know, they're going to mix it in with, with the main talent, which, Viva Van. Let's let's see what Alice Blair, who has progressed, and she did wrestle with Viva, but it was a while back. So now yeah. this is big opportunities for them to shine in, in a match uh, as they look to move forward into 2023 and, and cement themselves as top contenders for the women's title. Because we're always looking to bring in new talent. So. The existing talent that's there, you know, needs to keep up with the Joneses, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's well Danny said. Limelight. He, Danny Limelight's yep. in action. You know, I forgot to mention that. Even though he's gets the his match at no escape, you know, he's eager to get there and and make his presence felt. And whether he makes his presence felt in that match or, you know, we haven't figured out who he's working yet, but he's definitely got a match on the card, and you know we're excited about it. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a nice, solid card. Uh, if you can't make it down to the FSW Arena, uh, again, FSW Network, six ninety nine a month. Uh, check it out. You can uh, check out the show. Uh, and uh, again, don't forget five dollars off if you bring an unwrapped toy to the show. Um, and again, it's just a, a great cause and uh, good time of good time of year to uh, to be charitable. So, uh, with that said, everyone, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll talk to you guys later.